Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 238. This week, we're talking with Adam Moody about the Scandinavian Culture Club and the spiritual condition in Europe. Is very, very bleak, and there's a desperate need for the gospel to revitalize and change Europe once again. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by, and welcome to the show. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message, make connections, and take action. I would like to say a quick welcome to Caleb, Jessica, Carl, David, Angus, Luis, Mary, and Justin, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. It's great to have you there, and if you haven't done that yet, but you'd like to connect with us on Facebook, that's at facebook.com slash engagingmissions. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to each of you for commenting, for sharing, for providing feedback. I really love hearing from you and seeing these interactions and seeing what God can do with this kind of stuff. This week, we're going to be talking about the reality of the spiritual situation in Europe, the Scandinavian Culture Club, and why that might be something that interests you. Even if you're not interested in joining the club, it might be something that's valuable for you. And we're also going to have for you a free offer at the end. So I think it's going to be worth sticking around for that. I really enjoyed this conversation with Adam, and I think it's going to be something that's great for you as well. All right. Today, I am incredibly happy to have with me Adam Moody. He is a husband and a father. He and his family spent about five years in Sweden, ministering there in the university. Now he and his family are here in the U.S., and they're preparing to go back to Sweden to plant churches. And they also have what I think is a really cool way for you and me to partner with them and also learn more about Sweden. So we're going to be sure to talk about that as well. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. And I really appreciate your patience as we've been kind of getting some of this stuff together. (laughs) I I appreciate that. So as we kick this off, I suspect that we often think of Europe as being Christian, maybe not a Christian nation because it's a lot of countries, but we know that there are cathedrals, there are monasteries, there's this rich Christian heritage, this variety of Christian traditions. But what's the reality, the spiritual reality of Europe in 2018? Yeah, so I read a statistic recently that said church attendance in most European countries is in the single digits now, Mm. with the Scandinavian region actually being some of the worst. You know, Scandinavian church attendance is around 2 to 3% overall. So you're talking about the majority of the population not even going to church, much less knowing who Jesus is. And I think very often as we look at pictures of these old cathedrals and monasteries, we see the the beauty there, the rich history, you know, how much time and money and effort was spent in building these, you know, ancient monuments to God. And we wonder, like, how in the world can these people not believe in God? But if you've ever heard the, the term post-Christian, 
that's very much where Europe, you know, is now. They, that's something that's come and gone for them. And so now most of these churches and monasteries are empty tourist attractions or, you know, maybe occasionally somebody uses them for a marriage or funeral, something like that. Mm. But for the most part, they're just not used. And even some of them have been converted into mosques in some cities as well. So the spiritual reality of Europe is very, very bleak, and there's a desperate need for the gospel to revitalize and change Europe once again. Yeah, it's probably a reality that we're not terribly familiar with, and I appreciate you taking the time to to share that with us. Now, when we were chatting before, you had mentioned something that really kind of piqued my interest, and I'd really like to kind of dive into this a little bit before we spend some time getting to know you. You, you shared that God has called us to make disciples of all nations, not just the ones that look different from us or the ones that seem to be impoverished. Can you share a little bit more about what was going on there? Yeah. So, you know, very often when we think of missions, which I thought this when I first started out in the missions world, we think, oh, God has called us to go to people who were, you know, just physically impoverished. But, you know, the Great Commission, when Jesus commanded his disciples and all believers to go out into all the world and make disciples, you know, he didn't make any type of distinction there. The only distinction was spiritual poverty, which is something we don't talk about a whole lot. But, you know, that's what making disciples is all about. Yes, some countries are more impoverished than others physically, and God wants us to go to all nations and share the gospel. But we can't forget the nations that are financially wealthy but are, are extremely spiritually impoverished. I think very often if we look at another country and think, oh, they kind of look like us and talk like us and, you know, they have a similar, similar culture than us, they must not need Jesus. You know, they have these big old churches and seem to have money, mm-hmm. but nothing can be further from the truth. And again, you know, Christ has called us, even commanded us to go to all nations of the world. And if we only go to those physically impoverished nations, who's going to be who's going to you know, be left to go to the financial wealthy nations who are extremely spiritually impoverished? So, you know, that's really something God has placed on our hearts, the fact that yeah, you know, there's just a spiritual reality in a lot of the the nations like Sweden that is that is not a spirituality in some of the nations we've sent missionaries to for hundreds of years. This is one thing I've told a lot of people as and we know this is true. Jesus really said this himself. This is just another way to put it that you can have no food and have Jesus and have everything. Hmm. You can have plenty of food and not have Jesus and ultimately have nothing. And in fact, that's kind of what Jesus told the woman at the well. You know, the, the spiritual food, spiritual reality and that relationship with God supersedes any other need that we have in life. And so ultimately, you know, spiritual poverty is the greatest poverty that exists. Mm. Yeah, I think it's probably really easy sometimes to forget that. We can, for, for whatever reason, we can forget that having a lot of stuff and not having God is kind of a, kind of a bad place to be in. How how has God worked in your life to keep bringing you back to the place where you're you're putting Him first, and these other things don't distract you? You know, I think for my wife and I, we really we try to be generous with the resources God has given us. You know, we try to not hold on to too much for too long. You know, try to not become too infatuated with stuff. You know, as you know, living in a Western culture, it's easy to do that. I mean, I'm not, you know, judging anybody for doing that. We all have struggled with that from time to time. But I think for us, yeah, just learning to be more generous and invest 
and what God is doing locally and globally with our money and our time is one of the ways that we help to manage that tension. Mm. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, I think hearing other people talk about this kind of thing, a lot of times we'll talk about something like complacency. We'll say, you know, because you're comfortable, it's easy to become complacent. I think that you've seen sort of firsthand, really, because of some of the things you've seen in Sweden and in Europe, what happens when we do become complacent? Can you share a little bit about about the, the reality of that and then maybe also share some things that you might suggest we do to, to avoid complacency? Yeah, I think when we look at the history of Christianity, we see that nations that once had the gospel, you know, where it's really fallen apart or where Christianity has fallen apart or almost, you know, died, it's where Christians have become complacent, where you know, very often wealthier nations where the state and the church were the same, or, you know, just nations where, for, for instance, you take the city of Constantinople, once Christian Christianity became a legal religion of the Roman Empire, when it became normal and it wasn't, you know, persecuted as much anymore, you know, complacency set in. When, when It seems like when things become normal and there's not, you know, this constant influx of new people really choosing faith and growing in faith. When people kind of, mm. our pastor has this term where some churches have this mentality of, we just want our four and no more, you know, <laughs> where, you know, the, the church has this natural tendency to kind of lean inside of itself and forget about the loss and unchurched and unreached when they get comfortable with what they're experiencing and when there's not a whole lot of you know, a whole lot of people attacking them in any way, whether it's, you know, physically or verbally or politically, it's easy to become complacent like that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have to, as as leaders and as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, constantly challenge people to continue to look outside the walls of the church and continue to look after, you know, the one. You know, Jesus says that the heart of the Father is for the one that, you know, he, he kind of forsakes the 99 who were safe because he knows they're fine and he's going to go chase after that one. And if we want to have the heart of the father, we have to constantly make sure we're chasing after the one as well. That's why, you know, we tell people very often how expensive it is to live and do ministry in Sweden. And sometimes people get shocked by that. Like, oh, my goodness, mm. I could send five missionaries to another country. Uh, but what we say is, you know, that's that's great. There's no problem with sending missionaries to other countries. But, you know, the heart of the Father is still for that one in Sweden, mm. even if it you know cost a lot. I mean, Jesus, it, it costs the Father everything to send Jesus, and he who spares no expense to bring salvation to mankind will spare no financial expense to, sp- to spread the gospel all across the world to expensive nations, cheap nations, easy nations, difficult nations. And so I think, you know, the church to fight against complacency. They always have to have this outward looking mindset where they're ne- you know, they're not getting too comfortable with just meeting on a regular basis, but also always looking to the loss because, you know, that's, that's what God has called us to do as believers. Yeah. I, I'm wondering, you know, you're sharing some great stuff. I'm wondering what is it about your, your past, your upbringing, your experiences that have brought you this, this far and have pointed you in the direction toward the lost and toward fighting against complacency. What is it in your past that's kind of led you toward this? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in a small Baptist church of about a hundred people, and 
I felt very often that I felt, I felt very different than a lot of people that were there. Not that I felt better or anything like that, but I just felt like my passions were different. Like I, I read, you know, this, this thing we call the Bible, which can be overwhelming at times. And I see, you know, these people just giving their lives to do extraordinary things for the sake of the spreading of the gospel. I mean, you know, Paul himself was imprisoned and stoned and shipwrecked and all these things to spread this good news all across the Roman world, you know? And I didn't see that very much in the church I was a part of. I saw it a little bit. I had a couple of opportunities to go on some little short-term cross-cultural mission trips in the U.S., and I do feel like God opened my heart up there for, you know, people who were different from me, people who had a different culture, had a different language, and realizing that there were more people, billions of people around the world who didn't speak my language and had a very different culture than me, but nobody was sharing with them about Jesus. I felt like God just really got a hold of my heart at a young age. And I'll, I'll kind of share this story. This was probably the one of the turning points of, of my life when I was in high school. Hmm. A lot of people who live in the south part of the U.S. Will, will know this, but Panama City Beach, Florida, during spring break is a crazy place to be. I'm not sure if you've heard how crazy that can be during mm-hmm. spring break. But one year I went down with some friends actually from church, like their families and stuff. And one night we were riding down, riding down this main road and we weren't participating in the things that were happening there, but we were seeing the things that were happening there, which, I mean, it, it seems kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah, the stuff that was going on there. And I just remember... I mean, literally, there were people like having sex in the streets and mm-hmm. driving drunk on four wheelers and wrecking. And I mean, it was just crazy stuff. But I remember riding down this road, I mean, five, 10 miles, I think it was like five miles an hour. And there was this guy dressed up like what we would think Satan looks like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. pitchfork and red face and horns and all that. And I remember this guy was just pointing and waving and smiling at everybody who drove by. And I remember him pointing at our car. I think he pointed at me, too, and just waving and smiling at me. And that night, when we got back to the condo we were staying at, I remembered that picture in my mind. And I just I felt so uncomfortable being in that situation as a believer. And I just remember thinking, you know, this is probably exactly what Satan is doing down here. He's, he's so excited that people are destroying their life and spreading diseases and just a bunch of, you know, they're just really destroying their lives. And for me, I just that night I said, you know, I never want Satan to be happy with my life. Not that I'm going to be perfect or anything like that. I just don't want him to be happy with my life and the, with the decisions I make in my life. And I felt like that was a big turning point as well, where, you know, I kind of turned a different direction than a lot of my friends and God just kind of got a hold of my heart. And I think, you know, I think that's part of it. When we just like open our heart and submit to God, you know, he, he takes us in, in different paths and, mm. you know, not always the easiest paths, but, you know, he can use us in powerful ways then. So, so you had that experience. If we, if we were to now fast forward a few years. You've been involved in ministry. You've spent some time in Sweden ministering in the university. I'm wondering, how, how have you seen evangelism, discipleship, missions work make a positive impact in people's lives? Yeah. So when I first got over to Sweden, I started working with mainly international exchange students. And you know, some with Swedish students as well, but 
a big focus were, were international exchange students. And that was mm-hmm. because at the time, Swedish universities were tuition free for everybody wow. up until around 2012, maybe. Yeah. So anybody from any country could go to university, you know, bachelor's, master's, PhD for free in Sweden. They changed that law now. There's still some openness with that. But because of that, there were people from all over the world in places where sometimes it's quite difficult to go as missionaries. Mm. And I'm talking about places like Iran, Pakistan, China, Afghanistan, places where it's quite difficult or even illegal to go as a missionary. And university students were coming there to get bachelor's and, and master's degrees. And so we had this wonderful experience for about five years in two different cities where we were able to disciple and share the gospel with university students literally from all over the world. Mm. And while we were there, we got to see some people from Iran come to faith in Christ, some young men from Afghanistan Afghanistan came to faith in Christ, a young guy from South Korea as well, and also some Swedish students. And then we just got to you know, share the gospel with people, I would say probably 30 or 40 different countries over the years. We got to share the gospel with people. And again, most people wouldn't think that of Sweden, but when they have such an open policy for university students, it's a really unique experience. And even though they don't have free tuition free for, you know, international students, they still do have tuition free for people in the European Union and they have a lot of exchange programs. So there's still are you know tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of international students there every year. And in the city we're going back to, there are a lot of international PhD students. And what we found is, you know, if, if we could reach some of these people with the gospel, they're going to go back and be some of the most intelligent, influential people in their society. So if we can reach them with the gospel in Sweden, imagine the impact they can make when they go back. You know, we, we were really good friends, again, with some people from Pakistan and Iran getting PhDs in Sweden. And again, highly intelligent people. And I would say they were way more open to the gospel in Sweden than they were in their home country if I was there because they didn't have the influence of like their family and their culture behind them. They were able to experience you know new things in life. And so they had a lot of questions and they felt like they had the freedom to ask those questions about God and who Jesus is mm. because they were in a different type of culture. So we had some, some really exciting experiences there and saw God do some really you know, pretty cool stuff. Yeah, that, that's really neat. And you, you answered one of the questions I was going to ask, because I was wondering, people come over there for an education, do they go back? And you said mm-hmm. that they do, right? So that's a great opportunity to sow in a field that you don't necessarily have access to yourself. I, I really appreciate that. We've, we've In a minute, we're going to start talking a little bit more about funding, you know, because you've got a really interesting funding model. But I'm wondering, as you've been in ministry these five plus years now, have there been any times when 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 it was a little bit lean in your ministry it's, it's somewhat the life of a minister or of of a missionary at times where you know it's always just challenging especially being in places like Europe where everything's more expensive mm. you know if any of the listeners here have ever been to Europe on vacation you know that some things are cheap you know you can take the train or public transportation even sometimes you can find cheap flights once you're in Europe but, you know, food and actually living there, housing is extremely expensive. And then also, you know, because Sweden, for instance, and a lot of the European nations are more socialist, mm. you know, they have really high income tax rates and we have right. to pay those because we're, you know, residents of that country. We're benefiting from, you know, 
from that country. So, you know, a 10% drop in support for people like us is a pretty big chunk. And what that usually means for people like us and other missionaries in Europe is that we just can't do as much ministry because we don't have the resources to do ministry as much. I mean, yes, there's always some type of free type ministry you can do, but just, you know, just like churches, just like any business, it costs money to do stuff, you know, whatever it is, it just always costs something to do any type of ministry and connect with people. And I mean, honestly, today in the world of, you know, people get so much information thrown at them, you know, it it sounds kind of cliche, but you have to market yourself almost in a way to the people you're trying to minister to. And sometimes that takes extra money to do that, whether it's taking them out for a coffee or taking them out to lunch or having them over for dinner, you know, just kind of normal stuff. There's still costs involved in that. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've, we've definitely had challenging times. God has always, you know, kept us out of debt and kept our heads above water, but definitely some challenging times through the years. Yeah. I appreciate your honesty in that. And you, you also kind of put it in perspective because for me, a 10% hit to our income, that'd be kind of a big deal. It, you know, we're, yeah. we, we do our best to live at or below our means, but to be honest, I don't know that we live 10% below our means. So that's, that's kind of a big deal. Now, as you're preparing yeah. to go back to Sweden as a church planter, a little bit different role. What do you think the the church planting role and that calling will look like for you? Yeah, so, you know, recently, or a couple of years ago, when I was at a conference in Sweden, one of the church leaders there shared with us that the spiritual reality there is so dim there's so many churches closing down right now that if that trend doesn't continue, if that trend continues and something doesn't change, in the next 30 years, the last evangelical church will close in Sweden. Wow. So right now, so many churches are closing down more than new ones being planted, and so it's it's a huge need to plant churches over there. And for us, you know, when we get back, you know, like a lot of missionaries, some of the first things we'll do is kind of dive back into language school. The five years we were there, we learned some language and it's a little bit challenging because most Swedish people speak English extremely fluently, but Swedish is still the everyday language. And because of that, and because we were mainly working with international students before, we didn't have to have Swedish as much. So, you know, really our first steps are going to go back, kind of get engaged in that Swedish language learning, but also just start really casting vision for the church plant We've had some people visit us, some Swedish people visit us and visit our home church here in America. Mm. And although we're not planning on, you know, trying to Americanize Sweden, that you know, that's sure. one of the things you're always warned about as a missionary. You're not going to try to take America over there. But it is a Western nation and there's a lot of similar culture, cultural things. And, you know, we're working kind of together with our church here in America to plant a church over there. And we've had Swedish people visit our church in America and say, you know, if there was a church like this in Sweden, not only would I not be afraid to invite my non-Christian friends to, but I would love to serve at a place like this. And I believe a place, a church like this could really make a huge impact on our society in Sweden. And so we're going to be casting that vision for this specific type of church and working together with the Swedish people to figure out how to culturalize it. But we already have a team of people who are kind of waiting on us to get back, who want us to church plant together with them mm. and you know, try to see something happen there. So, you know, we won't really necessarily be taking on the role of like the senior pastor or anything like that. Okay. Our missions organization doesn't necessarily like us doing that. 
So our role will kind of be the church planters. I mean, kind of like Paul. Paul went out and he, he cast a vision, he planted churches, and then he discipled people and mentored people to put them in charge. And so that's our hope and our goal. And, you know, we'll still be serving in the church in some capacity. But the reality in Sweden is, you know, in America, you can plant a church pretty quickly, especially in the South where we come from. But in Sweden, you know, this is not a two, three, four year thing. You know, we're thinking, you know, this may take a decade for us to be involved in the leadership of this mm. church before we would, you know, kind of take a step back away from it. So, you know, this is a long term vision. And then our hope is to eventually, if we can figure out together with the Swedish people what works there, to eventually plant more churches in different cities in Sweden as well and really help maybe create some type of church model that you know, really reaches that type of people. I, I've, I've heard it said that what you do on the first day impacts what you do on the hundredth day or the thousandth day. And so I'm wondering, as you're going into this, you know that this in this particular city could be a decade, but it's not necessarily a lifelong assignment. And so I'm wondering, do you, do you have any plans or structures in place that you think will allow you to effectively support local leadership and make sure that they carry the mantle of leadership so you can move on when it's time to go? Yeah. So, you know, we have a good bit of like video training. There, there's a, our church is partnered with an organization called Preaching Rocket. Okay. And they have this kind of year long mentorship for lead pastors and preachers. And they really, their one goal is to help preachers preach better sermons. Mm. And then they have some leadership stuff as well to help leaders become better and more effective leaders. And, you know, being able to take them through some of the trainings like that. Again, you know, it's not in Swedish, but most of them speak English extremely mm. fluently. Take them through some trainings like that. And, you know, just make sure we're really you know, doing some one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing is putting the right people in place in the beginning. We spent a lot of time over the last year, my wife going through a missionary training school, mm. and we've learned a lot about leadership and leadership structure and also about, you know, kind of personality profiles and something we call spiritual pathways, which they're, they're kind of these all-encompassing things that help you understand what type of person you are, what, what's your personality, also how do you best connect with God, you know, what are your strengths, like there's a, a test that we do called Strengths Finder as well, and I think, you know, as, as God and the Holy Spirit leads us to certain people, you know, kind of doing some of those testings and making sure those people are the right fit, you know, they're the type of people who are going to be able to carry a vision long term, but also making sure that it's not just one individual as well, you know, Leadership is is really, I believe, best done in a group where, yeah, you know, maybe you have one point leader, but, you know, you have a team of people leading. It's, it's really a team effort. It's not just one person. Mm -hmm. So making sure there's a really strong team in place of people. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we'll be a part of that team for a while, but maybe, you know, we'll eventually step back as well from that role. But I really think that's important, making sure there's a really strong team in place you know, making sure that point leader has a lot of good support. And then also making sure that that point leader is not the only one as well. Uh, uh, you know, we, one of the things that are, are one of the kind of philosophies at, at our church now is kind of this idea of replace yourself. They call it intentional apprenticeship. So you're always in, intentional about apprenticing somebody who could take your position at any moment. 
So, you know, kind of creating a, an atmosphere of constantly cultivating new leadership and pouring into them, I think is extremely important from the beginning. Yeah, totally. I, I can see where that would be important. You, you mentioned that you were going through a training school in, I think you're in the Atlanta area. I actually had somebody on the yeah. show maybe two years ago. No, Grant Haynes. It's not the same guy, is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Small yeah. world. <laughs> it was yeah. great to have him on the Grant. show. And and now I got one yeah, of his he's students. Yeah, a great guy. Yeah. Very cool. So well, we, we've kind of flirted with the idea of of fundraising so far. And I, I don't want to delay too much longer because I'm kind of teasing people with this. And, and I think you've got a really yeah. great idea. But before we start talking about your creative idea for fundraising, I'm wondering what portion of your support as you look forward to the next decade or so, do you think is going to come from traditional means such as donations through churches or individuals, that kind of thing? Honestly, I don't I don't know. I feel like God has kind of put that up in the air for us right now. I mean, honestly, we're trusting him either way. Mm. But it does seem like there's been a, a shift in missions yeah. over the last 10 years or so where traditional fundraising methods aren't necessarily always doing it for everybody. I mean, I'm sure you've had some people on the show that talk about business as a mission. Oh, yeah. You know, who are doing a lot of different, unique stuff like that. You know, some of them are able to support their ministry fully through a business. Some of them are able to support it 25, 50 percent. We know some people in Southern Europe, you know, the guy teaches at a school. He teaches international school there and he helps supplement, you know, his fundraising that way. So, you know, I I don't really know. Honestly, I feel like if this idea takes off, it may be possible that we don't necessarily have to fundraise anymore or only have to fundraise for kind of some of the ministry costs and not as much the personal costs. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, we'll just kind of see what see what God does with that. Yeah. And if, if you don't mind, I, I did want to share a couple of little things yeah. about Sweden that may kind of blow people's minds. Okay just so they can understand, you know, we've kind of hit on a few of these things like, okay, Sweden's only 2% Christian, but the spiritual reality there goes deeper than that. One of the statistics that's just mind blowing is that almost 50% of people in Sweden live alone. Imagine that 50% of a nation living alone. Hmm. And I tell you there, just when you land there, you can feel like this spirit of loneliness that just exists in this culture. And you know that people want to connect, but it's almost like they just don't know how anymore. And I don't know if that's, you know, spiritual, if it's just the reality of their culture, a mixture of the two, but that's huge. You know, people just don't even know how to connect with each other anymore, Hmm. much less, you know, live together. And then another thing is that, and this is mind blowing to a lot of people, many of the priests that are in the Lutheran kind of old state church, in Sweden, don't even believe in God. They're atheists, and and they're priests mm. in the church, you know. And and mo- I actually have a video on our website of a guy who's being interviewed and asked about this, and he's kind of high up in the priesthood. And he said, "Well, if somebody sees me with my clergy collar on and I'm in the grocery store in Sweden, I have to say yes as my job." He said, "But to be honest with you, I don't really believe in God." Mm. And these are the leaders of the churches in Sweden, you know, the lady who's the archbishop, which is kind of like the pope mm-hmm. for the Lutheran church in Sweden. She doesn't even believe in the virgin birth. 
she doesn't believe the gospel should be taken seriously, and she's a universalist as well. She doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way to God, and many of the priests in Sweden believe that way. They don't believe that you know Jesus is the only way to God. They don't believe John fourteen six, where he says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." In fact, one of our friends who is a priest who is very evangelical, he he's gotten fired before for sharing the gospel to his youth group. And the church tried to say, oh, well, we just don't have enough money to keep you, which we knew that was a lie because that church has plenty of money because they get money from taxes from the government. Mm. But they let him go because he shared the gospel with people. And it's just, you know, I think Swedish people who are highly intelligent see that the priests don't even believe, and then they see the evangelical church is dying and that evangelical Christians there don't really know how to talk about faith or, you know, faith is a very taboo type topic for Swedish people. Mm. And so Christians don't even know how to share their faith. And there's not very much discipleship going on to help people, you know, to, to understand how to do like apologetics and stuff like that. And so I think that's one of the reasons the church is, is dying there and is almost dead because, you know, you have these priests who don't believe and then the believers that are there, they just, they just don't know how to talk about faith. Yeah. So, so we've talked about, kind of flirted with the idea of fundraising, that money's a little bit challenging. You've shared a little bit about the reality <laughs> of the Swedish situation right now, what's going on spiritually. Th- these, I think, kind of open up the door for the, the creative idea that you have. And I want to spend some time on this because I think this is a business's mission idea that probably just about any missionary that wanted to could go after as an opportunity to really accomplish something huge that's beyond fundraising. So why don't you tell us what this idea is? Yeah, so I came up with this idea, I guess, about eight months ago. I say that I came up with the idea. If it works, I'll say God gave me the idea. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens there. I don't want to, you know, I want to take the credit if it fails. I want to give him the credit if it succeeds. But, you know, I just, I was thinking about, I've done a lot of work online through the last couple years and done a lot of stuff with like subscription-based services and websites. And I just remembered that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the missionaries that I meet here in Europe, you know, the missions organization we're with, I think there's about a hundred plus families in Europe. There's about 400 people total, but that's kids. I think it's a hundred plus families. And a lot of those missionaries go over underfunded because our organization allows us to go over 90% funded. So they, a lot of them go over 10% underfunded. They lose funding while they're there, mm. and they're just not able to do as, as effective a ministry. And so God has just really burdened my heart for the underfunded missionary in Europe and, and just really the underfunded missionary anywhere in the world. And so I remembered when I was in, in Sweden, I, I basically asked God, like, you know, give me an idea of something I can do or you know, that, that I've, I've learned that I could, I could create some type of business online to help kind of fill this burden and help support our ministry. And so I remember when I was in Sweden, I worked with all these international exchange students. And I just remember that they had a blast. I mean, it was the time of their lives. And, you know, what did they do? They got to experience a new culture, eat some new food they had never had before, try out some you know, different recipes. A lot of times on the weekends and holidays, they would go visit some of the top tourist attractions in Sweden, the Scandinavian region, and sometimes in other countries in Europe as well. I mean, it was just like the time of their life. You know, imagine being, 
you know, 20 to 25 years old, being able to travel Europe and, you know, study some, but, you know, have some really great friendships and try out all these new food recipes. I mean, I think food is probably one of the biggest ways you connect with another culture. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, what if I could create some type of digital experience like that where people could experience another culture digitally and also create awareness and funding for missions in Europe. And so I came up with this idea called the Scandinavian Culture Club. Mm. And basically what it is, is it's a kind of like an online digital cultural exchange program where three or four times a month, you're getting you know, new, delicious Swedish food recipes, you know, anything from you know, Swedish meatballs, kind of the typical stuff, yeah. to desserts, appetizers, drinks, breads. Oh my goodness, the breads in Sweden are absolutely amazing. My, my, my mouth is watering just thinking of it. Also, you know, they, they have a very big cafe culture in Sweden. Hmm. There's a word called fika, which means kind of like this time to sit down and hang out and have coffee and a pastry. And their pastries are absolutely amazing. And so I've included a lot of those in the recipes. But three or four times a month, members of the Scandinavian Culture Club get Swedish recipes. And then once a month, they get an email with this cultural information where it has a little fun Swedish word or phrase if people want to try to learn it. You know, like, where is the toilet? That's a very, very good phrase to learn when yeah. you go travel. And actually in Sweden, make sure you bring change because very often you have to pay to go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. which is kind of a funny cultural thing. But you know, they learn a little bit of language if they want to. And then the biggest piece of this is they learn about why Sweden and why Europe needs Jesus in the form of videos and articles. And we really hope that that, that's going to create an awareness and really penetrate the hearts of a lot of American believers to help them understand why we need to send more missionaries to Europe. And then also it's going to have a little bit of fun videos about unique things about Swedish and Scandinavian European culture. And then the fourth thing, which I thought I had a really great time putting together, is videos about the top tourist attractions in Sweden as well. Hmm. And so you're, you're just really getting this whole big, fun experience where you're getting culturalized, you're learning, and it's for a very small subscription fee. It's $15 a month, less than 50 cents a day, you know? That's like a piece of bubble gum. So for less than a piece of bubble gum, you get to experience another culture, but that's not it. Some of the most fun parts about this are that you're actually helping to fund our church planting ministry in Sweden, and you're helping to bring more funding to underfunded missionaries worldwide. From the very beginning of the Scandinavian Culture Club, we have dedicated at least 10% of the gross income Mm. to underfunded missionaries worldwide so that we can help them to get closer to that 100% mark, especially the ones who are already doing a really great job, but just need, you know, need that funding to help them to continue to stay there and do that job. And what we're also going to do for the listeners of this podcast is we're going to give a special link that you can give people where they can get the first 30 days of the Scandinavian Culture Club for free as well. Wow. So they get to try it out before they buy it. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't even, <laughs> I, I didn't, I don't remember talking about that. So that's, that's a, that's a great opportunity that I don't, don't recall coming up. So th- thank you for offering that. For somebody yeah. who's listening to this right now, and let's focus first on the missionary who's perhaps underfunded, perhaps fundraising right now, who's starting to think about this. 
what are some of the benefits of this kind of thing? So the, the Scandinavian Culture Club or something similar as compared to the more traditional donation model? Yeah, well, I think one of the things is that, you know, right now, most people in America, even Christians, are used to subscription-based services online. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, your gym membership, all different stuff like that. And, you know, they hover around anywhere between 10 to $25 a month, depending on what you're doing. And so people are used to that now. People are kind of used to this kind of lower cost way of, of being a part of something, whatever it is, if it entertains them or helps them to get better exercise. And so, you know, there's there's that kind of common experience that is happening in America right now. But there's also the opportunity to experience a culture where a missionary is living mm. in a deeper way, I feel like, because, you know, yeah, I can send update letters to people and, and we usually do, you know, once every two or three months. And they hear our ministry updates, but for people to get like a video once a month about here's something crazy that is happening in Sweden, and this is one of the reasons why they desperately need Jesus, mm. you know, creating, it, it can create kind of a an army of prayer warriors where people are specifically praying about a specific need, but they're also learning and, and creating an awareness in their mind and their heart about the global need for the gospel as well. I think very often in churches nowadays, besides hearing about short-term trips, a lot of churches nowadays and and believers don't really hear about what is God doing globally. And this is an opportunity to really educate people and to help believers get a bigger heart again for the Great Commission. Mm. As I said earlier, there's a statistic out now that 51% of American Christians have never heard of the Great Commission. And so I think, you know, missionaries from all over the world could help educate people on that as well. And something I'm doing, you know, if other missionaries decide to do this as well, you know, that's fine. But something that I'm doing as well to make it even more fun and exciting is that for every 1,000 subscribers we get, we're also going to be able to award or or gift one subscriber an all-inclusive paid trip for two to Sweden. Wow. And so that'll turn their digital experience into a real one, and they'll get to come and see the ministry firsthand as well. And so, you know, I think it, I think in a way it could even create more awareness and more funding than what's going into missions right now, because, I mean, we know with the internet, if something can go viral, you know, a, a lot can be done really quickly. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot recently about school shootings and stuff like that happening. And when a GoFundMe page goes up for something like that and it goes viral, I mean, hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars is poured in immediately mm. into a need like that, which, you know, that that's a good thing. But imagine if those types of resources could be poured into the gospel going out, if something like this could just go viral and a lot of people get on board and understand that, you know, this isn't a way for, you know, people to go deeper into, you know, the life and heart of missions, you know, going globally in the Great Commission. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really neat idea. One, one question I have, because I, I, I care about justice, right? I care about preserving the dignity mm-hmm. of people and, and honoring the, the, the people in the, in the country. And it can be very easy for something to, like this to be perceived as, I'm just going to tell you everything that's spiritually wrong with this country or everything that's different from where I came from. How, how do you plan to make sure that you're preserving the dignity of Sweden and its people? 
Yeah, that's a great question, especially in the you know cultural section that we share every month. We talk a lot about kind of the fun things about Sweden, the fun facts about Sweden. You know, Sweden is a country that to be so small, man, they are a highly innovative group of people. Mm. I mean, you know, IKEA, H&M, uh, Skype is a Swedish invention, Spotify, the computer mouse, the zipper, the refrigerator. I mean, to be such a small country, they have done a lot and made a huge impact on the world. The Nobel Peace Prize, Alfred Nobel, was a Swedish guy. He was awarded a PhD from the university in the city that we live and do mm-hmm. ministry in over there. Under Celsius, he was the, the guy who invented the Celsius scale. So we, we bring a lot of that cultural information that brings kind of pride to Sweden and who they are during those emails. And then, you know, honestly, when you experience food from a culture and you really like it, that brings some pride as well. Mm -hmm. And then also seeing some of these videos of the top tourist attractions and places people really like to visit and experience and learning the history behind those tourist attractions and what's there, I think brings a lot of dignity to the people as well. Oh, that's great. We're, We're starting to get close to the end of our time. And so I'm wondering, as we start to bring this to a close, is there a, a book or a resource that you would recommend for our listeners? Yeah, I think you know, there's there's a couple of books that are out there. One of the books is called Serving Ascenders. And it's it's this kind of idea, and I talked some about this in some of the videos on our website, but you know, there is this idea that Jesus has commanded us to go globally and share the gospel. He wants us to share locally and globally to make disciples. Well, we know in reality that all people cannot go globally. In Mm -hmm. fact, most Christians can't go. That's just a reality. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question remains, then how will those believers be able to get involved in that? Because Jesus has commanded all of us to. And the way that all believers can be involved in the global making of disciples is by serving as a sender, by doing kind of three things. If you guys have ever heard of John Piper, you know, he talks about this. But yeah. a sender is somebody who prays, because there is power in prayer, who finances, and then who educates. So you know, any of those three things, if you're involved in with, with missions, then you know, you're you're just as important. You're just as part of the team as the as the people who are going there, because the people can't go unless they're funded, unless they're prayed for. And so, I would encourage people to read that book, Serving as Sinners, and just understand that that's you know how most believers in America are going to be able to fulfill their role of sending the gospel globally it's by helping to fund missions, praying for missions and missionaries, and educating more people on the need for the gospel in nations like the Scandinavian region, bringing more awareness to to that reality as well. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why we also set such a low price for the Scandinavian Culture Club. I mean, it's less than 50 cents a day because we didn't want finances to be a problem where, you know, almost anybody who hears about this financially should be able to afford it. And you'll get involved in what God is doing globally in that way. Wow. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And and speaking of prayer, one of the things we want to make sure that we do is join you in prayer as well. So I'm wondering, as people are listening to this, is there anything in particular you'd like to ask us to pray for you about? Yeah, I, I just, I think the biggest thing is 
you know, since we've been in the missions world, and this is very common with a lot of missionaries, the enemy has really just attacked our health a lot. Mm. And, you know, we've had some, some challenging and difficult times with our health. Also, you know, just challenging times with our daughter as well and, and her heart. You know, God is trying to form her heart and help her to become the woman he wants her to be. And mm. sometimes she fights against that. And, you know, we've had to move around a lot as missionaries. And yeah. sometimes that can be very challenging for children, especially moving countries. And so really just praying that her heart stays secure and in, in Jesus. And that when we do get back to Sweden, you know, we'll we'll be prepared and ready and just continue to stay a strong family and be faithful to God. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And for those of you that are listening, I say this pretty much every time, but I would encourage you to take a minute pause the recording and pray for Adam and his family. Pray for God to do the things that he's asked for, especially taking care of his daughter's heart as they you know, move around a lot. It can be really tough for a kid. So please remember to pray for that. We'll make sure to have a link to the resources we talked about as well as the Scandinavian Culture Club in the show notes. Just if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, just tap the show art and click through and you'll find the link there on the show notes page. Uh, if you're listening on the website, you'll just find it right there on the show notes page. Make sure that you do that. Adam, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. I definitely appreciate you having me on and appreciate everybody who gets the opportunity to listen to this and everybody who prays for us as well. That's all the time that we had with Adam Moody. And I'd like to say one more huge thank you to him for taking the time to do this. I appreciate that he did that and also that you're here and that I have Jeff and Gabby who help with the show and that so many of you are sharing the show and commenting and leaving your feedback and things like that. I really appreciate that. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Adam Moody. That's where you're going to find places that you can comment, you can connect, you can share, you can subscribe to the show. All of that's going to be available for you right there. Make sure that you come back in a couple of weeks. We're going to be hearing from Ryan Kuja about aid work, poverty, the interconnectedness of our inner lives and action, the importance of being transparent with struggles as well as victories. Man, this was a deep episode and I really appreciate that he did this. He was actually in Colombia at the time that we recorded. We had some internet stuff going on, but we got it. We got something that's great and I think you're going to really enjoy that as well. The best way to make sure that you don't miss this, if you haven't already, is to subscribe to the show. You can go to engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. There you're going to find ways to subscribe with your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or any of the others as well. You're going to find ways to do that. And if you have a story of how you've been equipped, challenged, inspired, received some kind of insight through the Engaging Missions show, I would love to hear from you. Send that to feedback at engagingmissions.com. Really love to hear from you. See what God's doing in your life as well. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. 